It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined as always by my two co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey everybody, it's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello everybody, happy June. And so we thought, you know, given recent news, we were going to dedicate about uh, 45 minutes, so probably most of the episode, to John describing his... uh, solo play adventures with the alpha solo play rules so uh carson and i will step back john take it away uh how about we don't do that let's talk about content (laughs) real content all right fine uh i guess we'll pick up again in our series on essential ship types uh this time moving on to the interceptor yeah instead of talking about playing x-wing by ourselves um i think it's you know, just a lot better to just daydream about when we can play X-Wing together. So uh, let's continue to do that. All right. So today we are continuing our essential ship types conversation, uh, talking about my favorite ship type, the Interceptor. Yeah. So you guys have heard the format before. We've done a bunch of these. We only have a few of them left, though. So it'll be fun to close out this series because I think this will be one of our longer series. Um, but first, we'll break down what a tie. First, we'll break down <laughs> what an interceptor is, and then look at it in each faction and to see how each faction handles it. But in order to understand what the factions are doing, we kind of need to understand the ship type overall. So let's look at some of the characteristics of an interceptor. Uh, did you just want to look at a tie interceptor, Tim? Is that what you were kind of leaning towards? All right, I'm going to cut it out, but I started to say TIE Interceptor when I was just going to say Interceptor, um, because that is kind of the quintessential Interceptor, but we'll get to that. We got to talk about the broad sweeping characteristics. Yeah, I mean, so these are my favorite ships uh, because they are the fastest ships. You know, Interceptors are built for speed, uh, they're very fast, very nimble, uh, so they can, you know, cover great distances and make really sharp turns. And in a game of, you know, aerial combat, that is really awesome. And having that wide range of maneuvers, too, on their dials um, is pretty good. They have a lot of blue options as well, which is really good because most of the interceptors have some sort of linked action that has to do with repositioning. So having those tight blue moves that they can do um, to get rid of the stress tokens they might get from those linked actions um, is a very essential part of why these ships are so good. And there's, uh, there's a finite amount of potential maneuvers that can be on dial, so having lots of blue maneuvers actually sets them apart from other non-interceptor ships that have a pretty good selection of maneuvers, because maybe you're something like, I don't know, like an X-Wing, T-65 X-Wing, which has a pretty good dial, but it really gets limited when it comes to getting stressed either from K-turn or from abilities. Um, and so having the blue maneuver means that you have a good dial pretty much all the time versus that kind of circumstantial good dial where, yeah, if I'm not stressed, it's great, but if I'm stressed, I'm kind of uh, doomed. Yeah, I think one of the main like features of an interceptor that sets it apart is the pairing of those linked repositioning actions with having a blue turn maneuver. Um, this allows these shifts, you know, to you turn ninety degrees with a turn maneuver and then another forty-five with a boost. Uh, pretty substantial change of your firing arc there, and they can do that turn after turn after turn. 
pun intended, turn after turn <laughs> after turn? No, it wasn't intended, but it was awesome. Uh, another big factor that separates out interceptors is that their survivability is very much based on uh, maneuvering, which is important because uh, John X-Wing is a game of... Dice. Dice. Getting Just kidding. Shot at and it's rolling a, dice. A game yeah. of, X-Wing is a game of positioning. <laughs> and uh, these ships really depend on positioning for their survivability because you'll see um, across the board, their survivability is entirely based on them avoiding shots because they're not going to. They'll get some backup from defense dice, but as we all know, defense dice are notoriously unreliable. Uh, so you're way better off just not getting shot at versus depending on any sort of defensive modification. Yeah, and that's kind of a weird concept um, to talk through because every ship survives great by not being shot at, right? That's really the safest thing you can do as a ship. The difference for interceptors is they get destroyed really quickly when they do get shot at. Yeah, they're kind of like the antithesis to the last ship we covered in this series, which was the battleship, um, which can just take so many shots because they have so many hit points and they really don't care about being shot at. Uh, that is not the case for the interceptors because they're they're going to have like probably well modified green dice, um, but you know modification only really works you know one maybe two times if you have some force. Um, so they have to be able to withstand multiple shots if they do get caught in arcs. Right, and we do see popular interceptor pilots usually have ways to get extra modification, you know, via through abilities or uh, just force tokens. Um, really powerful on an interceptor because you have, you know, that higher agility. Um, and so any modification on that really appreciated. So attack power on interceptors is a little interesting because it's kind of divided across all the potential interceptors. You do see variations between two and three attack dice, and I think it's split pretty evenly across them all. Um, so I, I guess if you had to summarize where attack power on interceptors usually is, it kind of falls between like ships that are entirely two attack dice and entirely three attack dice. You see there's like a lot of ships in the interceptor category that has three attack dice, but they don't necessarily have ways they can modify them a lot. Or if they only have two attack dice, they do have ways to improve the accuracy of them. Yeah, because the interceptors are generally using their um, action efficiency for repositioning over, you know, modifications for their attack dice. Um, and kind of with that, you know, we see a lot of pilot abilities within this ship type that kind of favor... Um, getting into positions that benefit your modification. So, I mean, we'll talk about some examples, but like Suntirfell in the Interceptor, if he can line up that bullseye, gets a focus token. So like using those abilities to their advantage, um, you know, kind of in tandem with their extreme maneuverability is how they benefit to get those better attack power results. Yeah, often, you know, if they are in any other ship's firing arcs, they're going to have to save, you know, that focus token for defense um, because keeping your interceptor alive is usually more important than the damage it will deal out. But of course, on those turns where you're outside the firing arc, uh, then you're free to spend that focus at will. Um, and that's usually, you know, when interceptors do a lot of damage, they get up close, dodge some firing arcs um, and have a powerful attack and then kind of use some hit and run tactics, disengage, and then come back around for another pass. And on the other side of dice for interceptors, we see that they have a pretty high agility value. Um, every ship on this list, for the exception of one that we'll talk about later, have three agility, um, which is really going to help them because most of these ships do have very low level hit points with kind of three to four being the average. So that higher agility um, comes into a good effect with their superior maneuverability. 
over the course of a game. And and actually, I think even as new ships get released and we see new interceptors released in the future, uh, I don't think you'll really ever see an interceptor uh, with five or more hit points. Um, there, there's some fringe cases here we can talk about, but in a lot of cases that would actually start to push ships with this stat line into our elite fighter category, which will be one of our last episodes here in the ship type category. One And one of the more interesting ones, not one I think that pops to mind right away when you think about different ship types in X-Wing. Um, but for the most part, you know, all interceptors are going to be in that three to four hit point range. So in a lot of cases, they're just sometimes one shot away from death, which means positioning really is that important. So now that we've kind of covered the general characteristics of the interceptor ship type, uh, let's jump into some specific faction examples. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, when we talk about interceptors, we got to talk about the Empire. This is, this is their ship type. You know, as much as light fighters are the Empire, so are interceptors. And I, and I think when you say the word interceptor, if you're at all talking in the context of X-Wing, you're going to think about the TIE Interceptor, Sooner Fell in the TIE Interceptor, which has become the quintessential uh, interceptor type in X-Wing. And it's kind of the baseline by which we just describe this category. Um, because in the same way that the T-65 X-Wing is kind of the pinnacle of uh, heavy fighters or just the regular TIE LN is the pinnacle of light fighters, the TIE Interceptor is the quintessential interceptor ship. Yeah, let's start by looking at that stat line. You know, we have three hole, no shields, uh, protected by three agility. So that's basically, you know, a TIE fighter's survivability. Uh, not very great, right? Um, extremely reliant on that three agility to keep the ship alive. Uh, but it does have um, a three attack dice, although only really modified by a focus. Uh, so there we see that, you know, decent but poorly modified offense. Um, and then, you know, that extreme end on the low level of hit points for defense. So, you know, why do people fly this ship? It costs more than a TIE fighter. What it really comes down to is that really good interceptor ship chassis ability, um, auto thrusters, um, which after the interceptor performs an action, they can do a linked barrel roll or boost action um, for a stress. So it's kind of like push the limit, um, but it also gives them every action on their action bar linked. So they have access to the focus evade, boost, and barrel roll actions. So after doing any of those things, um, they can link that into another reposition, um, which gives them a really good maneuverable edge um, and potentially, you know, not get shot by getting out of arc. Well, and it's good for so many reasons. A big part of it is the double reposition and the fact that it's a double reposition in any order. We've seen some limitations on other ships where they have to link into a specific order. Maybe, you know, we'll talk about the Type BA Interceptor over on the First Order side. But that has a very particular sequence in which it has to do its reposition, which when you're playing with that, you'll learn over time that that is something you really have to consider. The flexibility the TIE Interceptor has where you can do the boost, then the barrel roll, or the barrel roll, then the boost gives you so many options. And if you're running a pilot like Sunterfell, who's at a really high initiative the fact that you'll get to make those decisions after the fact so that you can opt for you know taking the evade if you need it and then using your bullseye to get the focus or taking a focus and a boost if you're trying to be really aggressive and get some damage out the flexibility this platform offers you is uh, hard to surpass I, I don't think there's really another ship type that does it much better than a tie interceptor no and i think you really hit it there with that keyword of flexibility yeah just all the tactical implications you get by just having those options you know getting to choose the order of your actions with such a level of flexibility. Incredibly powerful. Of course, you have a huge slew of blue maneuvers, uh, most notably the 
two speed um, blue turns are exceptional here. Um, the ship can really just be all over the place. Really, one of the things holding it back is the amount of pilot options. Um, it's, it's, you know, when we look at just the ship type, Interceptor's great. But for Interceptors, you know, often the named characters are more favored. And so having, you know, more named options um, would be a huge boon for the Interceptor. Yeah, that's one thing we didn't really dive into on the characteristics of it, too. And in so many cases, when we're talking about interceptors, usually what we're talking about is using them with a high initiative pilot, which is almost always going to be a named pilot. There is a place for interceptor ships uh, with lower initiatives, but usually they're a little less aggressive and a little more on the blocking front. Uh, even still, there's a lot of use for them if they're an efficient way to get attack dice out, like the TIE Striker. Yeah, so the TIE Striker is really cool. Um, there's an interceptor. It's got... Uh, another th attack dice value of three, um, four agility, so slightly higher than the TIE Interceptor. Um, but this is the only Interceptor on this list that doesn't have three agility. Yeah, but when we are talking about speed and maneuverability options, I feel like the TIE Striker is probably king here. You know, we have that adaptive aileron's ship ability, um, which makes the TIE Striker, you know, one of the more reactive... Um, and hard to plan against uh, interceptors here on this list. Yeah, being able to do that pre-maneuver, uh, basically it's a boost. You can, you can do it in any direction. Um, can make it really hard to pin these guys down. And of course, you have that other high initiative pilot in this ship, uh, Duchess, who um, can decide to forego using the ailerons if she so chooses. Um, and is also the only TIE Striker that can use them even while stressed, which gives her even more maneuverability options. And again, here we're seeing a pilot with a higher initiative uh, be a little bit more useful. The real trick on, what I think, what makes the TIE Striker interesting is that adaptive ailerons. The preemptive move means they're almost impossible to block, which is a huge benefit for an interceptor, because if you're in a high initiative interceptor and you get blocked, often that means you're getting no defensive mods, makes you extra vulnerable because you're already light on hit points, and... Like we said before, depending on agility dice, even if you just, especially if you just have two of them, um, you're going to fall apart pretty quickly. You see that adaptive aileron's ability being pretty helpful too. Um, most of the ships on this list do have access to some sort of munition, which isn't inherently, um, you know, kind of like a broad characteristic of them. However, the TIE Striker, interestingly enough, is the only one that can take a device on this list. So giving you that edge to kind of get away from it and maybe block up your opponents so that they're more likely to get hit by that device uh, it's a good option for them to have now the last imperial interceptor is a little bit different and i like the empire here because all three of their interceptors have very different feels uh the tie advanced v1 uh, which is an interceptor, and I think that's kind of interesting for people because the TIE Advanced X1 actually falls into the heavy fighter category, even though we kind of, you know, in lore think about them as, uh, you know, sequential iterations of a ship. Um, the TIE Advanced V1 is a little bit more advanced in a lot of ways. It gets the two shields, so it's got four hit points, two of which are shields, which is a huge perk, so you're not going to be crippled by a critical hit early on. Yeah, and the trade-off for the TIE Advanced um, increased survivability here is a lower offense. So it's just going to have two attack dice. Um, but I think, you know, at least from my experience, you know, apart from a Trade Federation Vulture, uh, these are probably one of the most difficult shifts to get off the table. 
Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, most of the pilot options for the TIE Advanced V1 uh, are Force-sensitive pilots. They'll have at least one Force charge on them, a lot of cases, two Force charges, which is great for so many reasons. Gives you good offensive modification if you need it. Having multiple Force charges, especially combined with a Focus or Evade token, means that you have multiple sources of modification. So if you're going to get shot at a bunch, which is not ideal for an Interceptor, you can, you know, modify your defense dice multiple times. Whereas you might have a normal limitation of if you just have a focus token, that's only going to modify one defense roll. The TIE Advanced V1 also has access to that really tight one hard blue maneuver. You know, we talked about the hard maneuvers earlier being blue, giving the interceptors an edge over other ship types. But having that one hard blue is just really good because with that, you know, sharp turn and then a booster, a barrel roll, your time on target's pretty good, even only having a forward facing primary arc. Um, and what's interesting about the TIE Advance, too, is they have access to that booster barrel roll linked into a red focus. So they can do that one hard, you know, do their reposition. And then depending on where they end up, you know, if they've got that arc lined up on an enemy ship, um, they can then choose to link into that focus for some potential modification. And also compensating for the two attack dice is access to the missile slot for the time being, uh, which has proven in so many cases to be really effective. Because even just loading them out with some concussion missiles, which ups their offense to three attack dice, that means a lot when you have those force charges. Because that means you can move in. If you're not going to get shot at, you just take the target lock, and then you still have a couple force points to do your focus modification. So being able to move in pretty quickly and get a fully modified missile shot uh, is a really effective way to put out some damage. Yeah, I do got to give a shout out here to um, Davin Felth, who just uh, beat me in the finals of the Tabletop Simulator's Top Gun League. He's flying two um, TIE V1s, and man, those things are just so hard to tie down on the table. You know, they got their incredible repositioning actions, um, plus just honestly, I think one of my all-time favorite maneuver dials in the game you know, having those blue one turns, one banks, uh, but still having also really fast straight blue maneuvers. It's just incredibly hard to, you know, set your dial against these guys trying to anticipate where they can be. Um, they're just really good at just ducking right under your arc. Really powerful. Plus, you know, they do get that consistent offensive boost, you know, through missiles or pilot abilities. And then just... It's impossible to push damage through because they always have, you know, a force. They can get an evade token on top of that. These ships are just amazing. Looking, of course, at the other original faction, um, we have the rebel faction with the RZ-1 A-Wing. Yeah, and so when we're looking at interceptor ship types, of course, you know, one of the models is that TIE interceptor. It's kind of showing us what the three attack dice interceptor looks like. I think the RZ-1 A-Wing is a pretty good um, second model for the Interceptor. You know, here we only have two attack dice, uh, but we have the four hit points, you know, two hold, two shield, much like the TIE V-1. And then, of course, you know, uh, the A-Wing has a pretty similar maneuver dial to the TIE Interceptor. Um, so it's really just that stat line difference. Oh, but that stat line difference makes a huge a huge difference, and I think you're forgetting one really important difference is that they cap out at initiative four for pilots. <laughs> yeah, the rebel A-wing options are a little <laughs> lacking. 
<laughs> well, and it's kind of sad too because you've got at initiative four you have Jake Farrell who uh, has a really cool ability to give out extra focus tokens or get extra focus tokens. The problem is, is that's not something you're really looking for on the Interceptor, I think, in most cases. Where's my Ahsoka? <laughs> I'm hoping we'll see uh, a card pack in the future because I feel like there's a good opportunity. Probably not for an Initiative 6 A-Wing pilot, but I would feel I feel like an Initiative 5 A-Wing pilot uh, would be something the Rebels could really use. Right. I mean, just like the TIE Interceptor, you know, didn't have that many pilot options. Um, the difference, though, is the Empire got one Initiative 6 pilot <laughs> and the Rebels topped out in Initiative 4. But when we're talking about effective low-initiative interceptors, um, you know, the Rebel A-Wing really does fill that role pretty well. This is an excellent blocker. Uh, you know, it's got a pilot option to support that. And it really fits in on a lot of kind of Rebel uh, mid-range lists. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a really great blocker. It is super cost-effective. It has the uh, vectored thrusters, which is similar to the auto thrusters, except it is after you perform an action, you can only perform a red boost action. So a little more limited in the sequence of what you can do there. But you can do so many cool things with this dial that if you're going for a blocker in the Rebel faction, this seems like an obvious pick. Yeah, I guess the only other thing to mention for Rebels is, you know, that's sort of it for Interceptors. Um, you know, it's not really something that's a big part of their faction identity. Jumping over to the last of the original core three X-Wing factions over on the scum and villainy side, they have a pretty different take on interceptors. Uh, their premier interceptor is the Fang Fighter, which kind of uh, breaks a lot of the rules that we normally apply to interceptors. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how scum designs all their ships. It's, we have the established models that the Empire and Rebels um, kind of give us design-wise, and then scum throws out all the rules and starts from scratch. Yeah, but their interceptor model can move physically. <laughs> you can spin it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, it's the best interceptor. Um, it's got a pretty it's good dial. It funnest. doesn't have as many blue maneuvers as uh, some of the higher-end dials do, but it can still move wicked fast. It's still got those hard blue turns, which are kind of a core feature of interceptors. Um, and it has uh, pretty good hit points, four hit points, but they're all holes, so you're a little more susceptible to crits there. But one of the key features of this ship is the uh, Concordia face-off ability, which is how it gets most of its defensive uh, power. Yeah, the Fighting Fighter is kind of one of those ships that likes to be kind of like right in the dirty mess of things and be at range one, you know, trading shots with its opponents. Um, that Concordia face-off ability allows the Fang Fighter to basically change one of its die results to an evade as long as the enemy ship has it in arc at range one, um, which is really good. Uh, also with kind of like their, I would say, you know, premier pilot Fen Rao, another I-6 interceptor, uh, he gets that offensive bonus from being at range one as well. Um, and if you pair that with the scum upgrade Fearless, you know, he's got five dice, range one, with a free hit as long as the ships have each other in arc, and he'll get that free evade on defense while he's rolling four dice, which is pretty good. Yeah, Fenrau hits hard and wants to move in quickly. Uh, one thing I like, though, about the Concordia face-off ability is it also benefits the lower initiative pilots, too. Um, I, I've played in a lot of cases playing against generics, which I really um, undervalue them when I'm playing against them because they can survive a long time with those few extra mods and the four hit points with the three agility. So, those are super hard to kill. Yeah, there's just like such a weird concept with that Concordia face-off because Interceptors, as a rule... Uh, do not want to be at range one of an opposing ship. Um, but the scum ship ability says, you know, it just race right in and hopefully things will be fine. You know, we'll give you a free evade and that should be good enough. And most of the time it is. 
which can be pretty frustrating if you're trying to uh, take some of these off the table. Well, and it makes the Fang Fighter a little, little bit more volatile too, right? Because it's one of the few interceptors that doesn't have native access to the evade action on its action bar. So being able to get into range one, um, you know, they have that linked booster barrel roll into red focus. Um, to get that extra f- offensive modification uh, can really come in handy for these guys. Now, Carson, one of the big questions that's really been weighing on my mind, I've been thinking about the Star Viper in the context of interceptors, and I can't really tell. Is it a is it an interceptor? Is it an elite fighter? Where does it fall? Well, when the Star Viper was first released for Scum, it was definitely presented as Scum's interceptor. And then, of course, the Fang came around and completely stole the Star Viper's job, and that's fine because the Fang is great. And so when we look at where the Star Viper is now, I think sometimes it's an interceptor and sometimes it's a little more. I think it's um, it's got a weird ship title that does kind of change its stat line a bit. And I think that's sort of, you know, it's riding the line between an interceptor and an elite fighter. Um, and elite fighters we'll talk about later, but, you know, they can be really fast, um, but what kind of sets them apart is, you know, a really superior defense um, through a mix of hit points and agility. And, you know, with the Virago boosting it up to six hit points uh, before applying a modification, I think that bumps it up to the elite fighter status. But at the base value, I think it is better defined as an interceptor. Um, And it's a weird interceptor still, you know, five hit points, um, pretty resilient there. It's got, um, you know, it's access to boost and barrel roll, plus a really weird ship ability that modifies its barrel rolls. And we've talked about micro thrusters quite a bit where that barrel roll can oftentimes, you know, functionally on the table, give you the value of combining a boost and a barrel roll, you know, where you get to change the um, degree of your firing arc and also, um, you know, move forward or backwards which is pretty cool. Um, one thing that, you know, is lacking compared to other interceptors though, is it's blue maneuvers are pretty bad when we compare it to other interceptors. It doesn't have any blue turns and you do often want to link that reposition action, you know, to get a focus token as well. Well, great. That answers my question. That was a long rant that I don't know if I, I don't know if I convinced myself it was an interceptor and elite fighter after it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure you convinced me either. I also did kind of zone out in the middle. So sorry. Cool. Me too. I hope I said something <laughs> intelligent. I'm sure we'll bring it up again next time anyway. I mean, I could talk about micro thrusters all day. Uh, moving on, though, to our sequel factions. Uh, we have another A-Wing. This one does a little bit better over on the Resistance side. Yeah, I suppose I should talk about RZ2s. <laughs> but I'll Time for another for rant second. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, John. I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the RZ-2 A-Wing, um, basically the same exact stat line as the RZ-1 A-Wing over in the Rebel Faction. Um, you've got two attack dice, three agility, two hull, and two shields. Um, but what the RZ-2 has over the RZ-1 uh, is a mobile firing arc. And while that mobile firing arc can only point out the rear or the front, um, the time on target with this A-Wing is much higher than its Rebel Faction sibling. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a there's a huge benefit to that too. Where this is one of those instances where it you know it only has two attack dice, which is on the low end of attack dice, obviously. But the fact that it can mitigate that by constantly keeping ships in its firing arc is one of the main features that I think makes this ship great. Obviously, you have a couple initiative five pilots, which is huge for the faction. Um, even just Talus and Lintra, which doesn't have an overly offensive ability, having that initiative five gives her so much power and being able to you know choose actions after other ships have moved so you make sure you do the right thing. Uh, but that time on that extra time on target with the rear arc uh, compensates for one of the main limitations that you see in a lot of interceptors, which is since they often, if they have slower maneuvers, usually they're hard turns and kind of weird. You don't have the typical one forwards. So interceptors typically have to move pretty fast. Being able to flip that arc and fire out the back means that your dial opens up in a really great way, where the RZ-2 is no longer limited. If it wants to shoot the same ship turn after turn, it can just blast past it with a 5 straight or a 3 bank or a 3 hard, flip that arc around, and keep shooting. So it makes them really hard to block and lets you oftentimes avoid shots while still being able to shoot. Yeah, I think you know the time on target is definitely an exceptional part of the RZ-2. Um, which of course is, you know, the advantage of any sort of turret. Um, but I think why it's so incredibly powerful on an interceptor is the weakness of an interceptor is when they get caught. Um, and so if you're predictable with your maneuvers, then, you know, it's much easier to get caught in your opponent's traps. Um, but with, you know, being able to just completely change the side of your ship that you're firing out of, um, makes, you know, setting the maneuvers with that ship just so unpredictable i think this might be the most unpredictable of all the interceptors it's that or the tie striker with the adaptive ailerons and so you know just if you never get blocked always escape you know your interceptors usually live all game um and what's awesome also about the resistance here is you know it's got the whole range of initiatives you know initiative one up to initiative five and all of them see quite a bit of play in opposition, though, to the Resistance RZ-2A wing, we have the First Order, all remaining systems. Will uh, bow to the First Order, of course. Me and John sure, sure, are sure. both big First Order players. Um, and one of the huge parts of the First Order's faction identity is they tend to have slightly more expensive, often, but kind of the most technologically advanced iterations of ship types. We see that with the Light Fighter. We see that with their Heavy Fighter. And we see that again here with their Interceptor, the Type BA. This is a high-tech Interceptor. Yeah, well, this is an aggressive interceptor. Um, there's maybe one other ship that we're about to get to, um, but it's either that or this guy that has the highest damage output of an interceptor. You know, it's got that three attack dice plus the ability to get a focus and a target lock. Uh, incredibly powerful there. Yeah, this interceptor is super interesting. You know, it's got the stat line that's kind of a, a hybrid of the TIE Interceptor and the TIE Advanced V1. Um, it's also got that really interesting ability, fine-tuned thrusters. So this is one of the only ways that an Interceptor on this list could get a double modified offensive shot. So they could get that focus and then use that ability to get a target lock. However, um, they have to trade either their offensive output or their defensive um kind of benefit as well because they have to either take a deplete or a strain to get that bonus so they can either do a target lock or a barrel roll action by taking that deplete or strain so they they see that benefit of being able to get the double reposition um, 
and maybe then, you know, decrease their defensive ability, or they can get that doubly modified offensive shot, um, you know, maybe at the chance of taking some extra damage. So just a very interesting ability um, that kind of makes this stand out against other interceptors on this list. Well, and it creates some really interesting gameplay because uh, taking the depleter strain has pretty can have pretty catastrophic effects. Um, dropping your interceptor down to two, just two agility, you only still have only four hit points on the ship, so dropping it down to two agility makes you very vulnerable. You need to make sure that you're not going to get shot at much at all, or if you're not going to get shot, you can clear that token before it comes becomes a problem for you later. Um, in a lot of cases, if you're going to shoot, there's I found that there's really no reason not to uh, get that target lock. And just take the deplete, deplete, and clear that as soon as you attack. Because you never know, getting extra mods on two dice is sometimes better than unmodded three. Uh, another interesting part, though, of the fine-tuned thrusters is that it uh, allows you for double repositioning, but it's very particularly sequenced. So you can still take the depleter strain to get a barrel roll after you perform an action, but that means if you're going to use double repositioning, uh, you have to boost first, and then you could follow it up by using a barrel roll. Um, I think you guys have passed over the most notable feature of the Type EA, which is, you know, it's got the same basically maneuver dial of the TIE Advanced V1, which is just awesome. Um, you know, yes, your reposition actions are a little more constrained, but just its base maneuver options are so good um, that usually it feels a lot more mobile than those actions uh, present. Well, and we also can't discount the fact that we have an Initiative 6 pilot available in the ship, Major Von Reg, uh, whose pilot ability is still something I'm not sure I've ever actually used in a meaningful way, um, but having that Initiative 6 is very valuable. Whatever. Lulo or ZZ could wreck Von Reg any day. I can't wait till I can play you again and prove you wrong. I think I'll be pretty old by the time that happens. Setting this petty squabble aside... Um, taking a trip back in time to the prequel factions, um, we see another really good interceptor variant in the Republic faction, um, specifically with the calibrated laser targeting version of the Jedi Ether Sprite. Yeah, we talked about in our Heavy Fighters episode uh, when you're loading out the Delta 7B title on another sprite that distinctly makes it a heavy fighter. Uh, over on this side, you have on the calibrated laser targeting front a much more interceptor focused ship. Right. So, I mean, we have um, pretty solid defense, you know, four hit points, uh, that three agility, and kind of two and a half attack dice. You know, it's two attack dice, but you add a focus result if you're in the bullseye. And, of course, the ship always comes with some sort of force, being, you know, a Jedi Knight or any of the named Jedis who have more force than that, like the TIE V1. Um you know, that kind of makes all the pilot options really great there. And while your evade action is purple, which makes modifying your green dice really robustly, not most efficient, um, it does still have the lock action. And so you can modify the offense uh, pretty considerably here. And so that's kind of where it compares to the TIE BA for you know the most offensive output for an interceptor, if you're able to line up that bullseye. And having those force charges on all the other sprite pilots just means it's 
you know, got a pretty reliable defense where you can get multiple points of defensive modification. Having a force charge or two plus focus tokens and three agility means that even though you're only at four hit points, you can be pretty hard to kill and often not maybe worth all the effort if there's more pressing threats on the board for your opponent. Yeah, now mobility for uh, the either sprite is a little weird. You know, it doesn't have any blue turns like a lot of the other interceptors here. But with its linked actions using force and not giving out stress tokens, um, that means they're sort of blue. You're just eating into your modifications instead of limiting your dial positions, which is incredibly unique. Of course, the ship was designed around using the force, so that does make it unique. Yeah, I think one of the big limitations that the uh, other sprite has generally is that it depends on force for so many different aspects of the ship that you kind of have to pick or choose in the circumstances how you're going to use that force. Are you going to save it for defense? Are you going to use it for repositioning? Are you going to use it to modify your calibrated laser targeting shot? Um, You only have so much you can use in a round. They just need to give the Jedis the option to use hate. Just Anakin. I've seen the movies. It's fitting. I mean, that's a dark side upgrade, right? The rules for that are pretty abstract. (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess to close it out, our discussion about interceptors, uh, we have the Separatist faction who has none. So that was easy. Roger, roger. (laughs) None so far. You never know. Now, that's kind of interesting, too, because they're not really a faction built for having interceptors. So it'll be interesting to see if they do eventually get one what form that'll take um because i feel like it'll have to feel markedly different than all the other interceptors across the other factions right i mean the um nantex fighter was sort of like in theme like the faction's interceptor but in reality it plays a lot more like a utility ship yeah and for a faction that is so focused on uh group tactics and swarm flying um, an interceptor is generally kind of the antithesis of swarm flying. They complement swarms really well when you can fit all those elements into one list. But the fact that this ship usually depends on positioning and being out on its own uh, would kind of run against the separatist faction identity. Right. The only time you really see interceptors as part of a swarm is when it's an all interceptor swarm where all the ships you know, move at the same speed so that no one's really falling behind. I mean, their interceptor will just have networked calculations, right? So they could just fly it with their swarm. Sure, seems fair. It'll be like enhanced networked calculations, like long-range like, network calculations. Yeah, but only for it. Like it'll be able to use the tokens from range two or three, but the other ones can't use its tokens. You know, it'll be busted and undercosted. It'll just be. It'll be a block of text that has to clear clear up the uh, fact that it has different words. To describe network calculations calling it right now i think it's a great idea ffg you can send me the sh- check to my house that'll be great it'll have the evolution of whatever grappling and landing struts is <laughs> docking struts uh yeah you get docking to move struts. the asteroid around with you <laughs> you just move it around the board <laughs> ignoring range restriction to other obstacles <laughs> yeah anyway so it's probably a good me. idea the separatists don't have an interceptor <laughs> leave that to all the other six factions and we've established when they do get an interceptor, the game is over. It's broken. Yep, I'll retire. No, I won't. That's <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen.
And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to all of our patrons. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week.